0: As the number of Americans enrolled in college has increased by more than 30% since 2000, so too has the amount of outstanding student loan debt, which topped $1.4 trillion earlier this year. The growth in student loan debt is widely viewed as cause for alarm, and many colleges have undertaken efforts to reduce student borrowing. But could a student loan be just what some students need to succeed in higher education? And would it be possible to design an experiment to find out? I'm Marty West, editor of Education Next, and I'm joined today by Leslie Turner, assistant professor of economics at the University of Maryland. Along with Ben Marks, Leslie's the author of the new article, The Benefits of Borrowing, that will appear in the winter 2019 issue of the journal and is available now at educationnext.org. Leslie, welcome to the EdNext podcast.
1: Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here.
0: So the centerpiece of your article is this really clever experiment designed to reveal the costs and benefits of student borrowing. But I wonder if you might start out by telling us a bit about how the federal student loan program works and in particular about the role that individual colleges play in determining what students are told about their eligibility for loans. That's a great question. So
1: most colleges and universities in the U.S. participate in federal student loan programs. And within these schools, as long as students meet a very broad set of eligibility criteria, they can take up student loans, and the amount that they can borrow is dictated by their class standing, so how many years they've spent in college, and whether they are traditional age and can depend on their parents uh, income and resources, or whether they are classified as independent and do not depend on their parents' resources. So, within these broad categories, if a student is eligible, the federal Department of Education dictates how much they can borrow. But individual colleges and universities have discretion over how these um, this information is provided to prospective borrowers. In particular, the information that is displayed on students' financial aid award letter. So this is a letter uh, usually electronic nowadays that specifies the cost of attending the specific institution, which includes tuition fees, living expenses, books and supplies, that sort of thing as well as the grant aid that the student is entitled to, uh, which may come from the federal government, state government, or the institution itself. On this letter, colleges have discretion over what they put in terms of federal student loans. And my co-author and I reached out to community colleges nationwide and found about half of all community colleges that are participating in federal loan programs Either put a zero loan dollar amount as an offer on this letter or don't mention student loans at all. And the other half offer a student loan that is not zero, but maybe less than the maximum the student is eligible
0: for. And just to be clear, what the college tells the student doesn't actually have any consequences for the amount that the student can borrow and whether they can borrow at all but it certainly could influence their awareness of what they're eligible for. Is that right? That's absolutely
1: right. So colleges are required to make students aware of their loan eligibility. And we'll talk about the particular setting that Ben and I study, but in this setting, students were sent an email to make sure that they knew they were eligible to borrow federal student loans. What is on this award letter is not at all binding. But it may affect students' choices if they perceive it to be a recommendation from the school for the amount that they should borrow or if they don't really pay attention to the information the school is sending them about eligibility and perceive it to imply that they are not eligible for loans.
0: And why might it be the case that community colleges that you surveyed are being so stingy with what they're telling students they're
1: eligible for? So the community colleges that we were able to talk to through this this survey process, a lot of them um, said that they wanted to protect the students from taking on unnecessary debt. And in fact, most community colleges have sufficiently low tuition that a student who is eligible for the maximum federal Pell Grant, which is the federal government's need-based grant program, uh, those students probably wouldn't pay tuition out of pocket. So the the loan funds, if taken up, would go to pay for some of these other expenses. And so the combination of not needing loans to pay for tuition and wanting to protect the students from borrowing, um, as well as perceptions about student loan debt being bad, were the reasons that we were given for sort of uh not not offering student loans on these
0: letters and i was surprised to learn from your paper that students attending community colleges are are actually less likely to take out student loans than our students at selective four-year institutions despite the fact that the community college students tend to have greater unmet need on average and almost certainly they come from more disadvantaged backgrounds On one hand, this could be a good thing since it enables them to avoid debt. On the other hand, federal student loans were presumably created because we think they're useful in helping students achieve their educational goals. And these students may be turning to other less attractive strategies to finance their education if they're not taking advantage of the loans they're eligible for. Those are
1: really good points that you raise, and despite the pretty low tuition that most community colleges charge, students have other costs that are taken into account when the federal government decides how much aid to give a student or how much aid a student is eligible for. And in many cases, the living expenses component of a student's cost of going to college is more than double the cost of tuition within a community college. So even if tuition is completely taken care of by grants, there still may be a need to borrow to cover these other expenses. And you're absolutely right that students who do not take advantage of federal student loans may turn to other activities to pay for these expenses, such as working or using a credit card to pay for these expenses. And in fact, using data from a nationally representative study of college students, We find that community college students who are eligible for a federal loan and who are low income but do not borrow are more likely to report using a credit card to pay for college. And they report working more hours than students with similar income levels who do take on student loans.
0: So all this provides the context for and the information listeners need to understand your experiment, which provides, to my knowledge, the first rigorous evidence of the effect of taking out a student loan on academic success. Tell us about the context for the experiment, where you did it, and how it was designed.
1: Sure. So after Ben and I realized that so many community colleges were either not mentioning loans or putting a $0 loan offer in their award letters, we Set out to try and understand does this have meaningful effects on students borrowing and on their success within community college. And we worked with an anonymous, large urban community college to implement a field experiment. And this community college was thinking about going from offering loans to not offering loans in their award letters, so they were very interested in figuring out was this a good idea for their students, would this benefit their students? And so in this field experiment, we randomly assigned students who had completed a FAFSA, um, the federal application for student aid, we randomly assigned them to either receive a $0 loan offer, so a $0 amount was listed in their award letter, or a non-$0 loan offer, which was either $3,500 or $4,500, depending on whether the student was a first or second year um, in college.
0: And so the first thing that this lets you do is to see whether the design of these offer letters actually affects borrowing behavior in the first place, right? Like we talked about why it might, but students' eligibility doesn't actually change based on what they're told in the letter. So it's not obvious that this would affect their behavior. So how does this influence amount that students borrow
1: so you're you're absolutely right this number that they see that students see in the award letter doesn't affect their eligibility and in fact all students had to go and complete a separate worksheet in order to borrow regardless of the amount listed and they had to fill in the amount they wanted to borrow in addition to completing federal entrance counseling and other federal requirements and as I mentioned students were notified of their loan eligibility via email So in theory, all of these students face the same administrative hurdles and have the same information, but we found that students who received a non-duro loan offer were 40% more likely to borrow than students who did not. This small change in a number that a student sees at this point in time when they're deciding whether and how much to borrow has really, really big effects on their decision.
0: And were they particularly likely to borrow that $3,500 amount that you effectively anchored them on? That's
1: that's right. So it, it was um, very likely that students who took up a loan because they saw a non zero loan offer borrowed exactly the number that they saw on their award letter. So either $3,500 or $4,500, depending on their class standing. And this was You know, even despite the fact that they had to actively go to the separate worksheet and type in the dollar amount that they wanted to borrow. So there is no automatic accepting of the amount they saw on their award
0: letter. And so this finding, first of all, uh, creates a situation where you now have two groups of students that, because they were randomly assigned to treatment and control conditions, are otherwise comparable. And one of them has been induced to take out much more in the way of student aid, and you can now follow these students to see how they do academically uh, over the course of the academic year, and, and what do you find?
1: So we find that the students who borrow because they received a non-zero offer, because they were randomly assigned to receive a non-zero offer, did better in school. So they were actually no more likely or unlikely to show up in college in the fall semester than students who saw a zero offer. But throughout the academic year, they attempted more credits, they earned more credits, and they earned higher grade point averages.
0: And how would you characterize the size of these differences?
1: So... The increase in credits earned and in grade point average were about 30% increases relative to control group students.
0: And so one way we might think about the size of those increases is to think about how they compare to, I don't know, the costs of getting students to complete additional credits and to do better in their courses um, through other means, right? And so we could think about the relative cost-effectiveness of spending via student loans versus other types of interventions?
1: That's right. So we, we do this by first looking at the average amount that students borrowed when they were induced to borrow from a non-zero loan offer. And this was about $4,000. And then we look at the effect on credits earned in, this first, in the year that they received this non-zero offer. And we find that per $1,000 borrowed, students earned about one additional credit. And this effect is comparable to other randomized control trials, other field experiments that have looked at the effects of the opportunity to earn incentive payments for reaching certain attainment goals in other community colleges, as well as the first year effects of the ASAP program in the City University of New York system, which is widely seen as one of the most successful interventions in the community college setting. But this additional credit earned per $1,000 borrowed doesn't take into account the fact that most of these students will end up repaying these loans. And so from the government's perspective, what they really care about are how much it costs in dollars that aren't repaid to increase attainment. And if we take into account the average default rate, uh, student loan default rate within this college we worked with and assume that the students who borrowed in our experiment default at about the same rate, we estimate that the intervention, so receiving a non-zero loan offer led to about eight additional credits per $1,000 of government
0: expenditure. And what about from the perspective of the student? So the student has completed additional credits, but they also now have a, a loan debt. I guess you have to ask the question of what they would have done in the absence of the federal loan, whether they would have ended up with debt of another kind. But let's just say that the tradeoff was more simple, that they're ending up with $1,000 in debt and they're getting an additional credit, how should we think about whether they're made better off?
1: Right. So this is a really tough question to answer, and we really won't be able to answer it with a lot of certainty until we follow these students for a bit longer. We know from other research that the largest earning gains for students who go to community college accrue to those who complete credentials. For the students that we study, we don't yet see any effects of loan offers or loan take-up on credential completion. Now, with this being said, most of the students in our study were more than a year away from completing the the degree that they were seeking. I can tell you, though, one year after the intervention, we do see significant effects on the likelihood of transferring to a four-year public institution. So we see about an 11 percentage point increase in the likelihood that a a student who borrowed, because of this non-zero loan offer, transfers to a bachelor's degree program. So taking into account the increase in credits earned in the first year and this increase in the likelihood of transferring to a bachelor's program in the second year, what we do to think about is this worth it from the student's perspective, is look at estimates that other authors have produced um, that uh, estimate the earnings gains from attending a community college but not earning a degree or attending a four-year public institution. Using these estimates and a a few other assumptions that are detailed in the paper, we um, project that the annual earnings gains from Borrowing is about a $370 increase for a given student. Now, again, this doesn't seem very large, and it's not, and this is because most of the benefits of going to college accrue to those who complete a degree. And so this is still really an open question, and we hope to provide additional clarity as we continue to follow the students in our experiment for additional years.
0: So it looks promising at this point, but it's really going to hinge on whether these students follow through and are more successful in completing their degrees.
1: That's right, because as you discussed the the trade-off here very well, these students will likely earn more even if they don't complete a degree, but they'll also have to pay back this debt and the interest that has accrued. And if these students are able to successfully complete a degree because they were able to invest more in school in the year they took up the loan, then we can pretty confidently predict that they will benefit and they will be able to repay this loan and still be better off.
0: So let's talk about the implications of this research for policy. First of all, uh, what did the community college that you partnered with on this study do? Did they end up following through on their plans to offer zero loan offers to all students?
1: Nope. Um, this is where being a researcher really can be great. The school looked at our findings and decided not to switch to offering all students zero. So they've uh, continued to do what they had done in the year prior to the experiment and offer students positive loans, but loan amounts that are less than the overall maximum students can borrow. It would be better for them to make sure the student knows they're eligible for loans and to offer the non-zero loan. But we know that there's a huge amount of variation in student circumstances and needs, and there are likely some students who might be nudged into borrowing who don't need the loan or actually would be hurt by the loan. And so what we think would be even better would be for colleges to make sure students were aware of their loan options, but also make students aware that they don't need to borrow the amount they see on their letter, and to make sure students are actively thinking about the trade-offs that they will make if they do or do not take up a loan. And these trade-offs may include using a credit card or having to work longer hours to pay for their living
0: expenses. And are colleges now permitted to engage in that type of counseling of students around borrowing beyond what they put in the loan offers?
1: They are not allowed to require students complete this type of counseling before receiving a loan, but my understanding is they can offer these types of programs and they most certainly can provide this information via the financial aid award letter or through sort of other um, communications with students at the point in time when the student is deciding whether or not to take up a loan.
0: And what do you think about the implications of this research for individual students? Do you think they suggest that maybe students should be more willing, if they're on the fence, to take out a loan if the alternative is to turn to other means of finance? So I
1: think one implication is that students really should take a step back from the overall rhetoric around student loans. The the discussion around student loans often presents student loan debt as being something really scary and really burdensome. And yes, in a perfect world, a student wouldn't have to borrow and would have sufficient resources to pay for college and complete a valuable degree or credential. But given the, the current... Uh, landscape of federal and state student aid, in some cases, a, picking up a relatively small student loan, so in our sample, it was $4,000 on average, can, it, at least as it appears, can help the student move successfully through college towards a very valuable degree or credential. And this may not be the case for every student, but my my view is that students really need to assess their own circumstances and assess the trade-offs that they would make if they don't borrow and and think about whether those trade-offs would be worth it.
0: My guest today has been Leslie Turner, Assistant Professor of Economics at the University of Maryland and co-author of The Benefits of Borrowing, available now at educationnext.org. Leslie, thanks for being part of the podcast.
1: It was my pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: You've been listening to the Ednext Podcast. If you like what you've heard, Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts so that you don't miss an episode. And while you're there, be sure to check out our archive and, especially if you're listening through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. It helps us find more listeners and more listeners find us.